continue study of First John. It's been really a, a wonderful study for me, uh, encouraging and challenging, and uh, I hope for you as well. Uh, I've mentioned each week, I'll just mention it quickly again, that I highly recommend as we go through this uh, ser- series of sermons from First John, that you make a regular practice of reading from it. Not only will you get more from the sermons, but it'll stay in your head, okay? So read, if you could read the whole chapter every day, that'd be great. That's a little more, or the whole book, that'd be great, but that's a little more than some people can do. If you did one chapter a day, you'd rotate through it at least once a week, even if you missed a couple days, because there's only five chapters. So it's a short book and an easy read. So let's get started. The message this morning is called An Old Commandment Made New. And a wise preacher once said of those in Christ, love makes us stepping stones, but hate makes us stumbling blocks. Love makes us stepping stones, but hate makes us stumbling blocks. So I'm going to read in a moment from 1 John chapter 2. There's three main ideas this morning that I want to talk about. The first is an old commandment to love. The second is a new commandment to love. And three, if we are in the light, we love. And then the big idea is that if we want to be in the full light of Christ, then we will learn to love. The message is going to be from verses 7 to 11, but I'm going to read from verse 1 just to put us in the context. My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And by this we know that we have come to know him, if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Beloved, I am writing to you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you have heard. At the same time, it is a new commandment that I am writing to you, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Whoever says he's in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. So again, those three main ideas are that there's an old commandment to love, there's now a new commandment to love, and if we are in the light, then we love. And the big idea is that if we want to be in the full light of Christ, we will learn to love. So the command to love, John says, is not not new, but it is new. So what does he mean by that? Well, it's not new in time, But it's new, perhaps, Warren Wearsby said, in terms of character or emphasis or meaning. It is an old commandment, and we'll look at that in a bit. It goes all the way back 
to the giving of the law. But in the sense of being in Christ, it's, it's new. It's new in character, emphasis, or meaning. So the other thing that I want to take just a moment to look at is what did John mean by in the beginning, an old commandment from the beginning? Well, there's some different thoughts on this. One thought is that he's talking about the very beginning, Genesis 1-1, or at least when man was created and, and God put his law in our heart. Others say, well, it's the beginning going back to the commandments that Moses was given and all the law that, that was given of Moses. Then there's some that say, well, what they're talking about in the beginning is uh, the beginning of life in Christ. And some say, well, it's at the beginning of Christ's ministry. So there's, there's some different thoughts on this. Now, all of those probably have some validity. You could probably... Uh, do that because God's commands are from the beginning. It says that he has our law, we have, our, we have his law written on our hearts um, and that involves love for others. So that's an okay understanding of an old commandment from the beginning but and I wouldn't argue against you too much on that but I think in the context of what we're looking at here in 1 John he's clearly writing about love for others in the body of Christ we know that when John used the word brothers, as well as most of the writers in the New Testament, if they said brothers, it usually almost every time referred to people inside the church. True believers, not false brothers, but true brothers. And so while it is true that Christians ought to love people both inside and outside the church, we can see that there's assumed in here that in the early church, there was a special love for those inside the church. Now, you might love your community, but you love your family, I hope, in a much more intimate and deeper level. And there is an expectation of that. You may have a heart, for example, to feed the hungry, but if you were to spend all your money on feeding the hungry in the community and letting your own family lose their home because the rent wasn't paid, no one would say what a good parent you were being. If you save up to go on a missions trip because your heart was moved to help some people in a foreign land, but in order to save that money, you didn't buy your children clothes enough, warm enough to get them through the winter, your priority are, uh, priorities are misplaced. If you love to give time to some works of service in your community, but you fail to give time to your wife, men, your first love, if you give more time to works of service for others and not time to her you've neglected your promises and your obligations to her i think you get the point here there's there's different levels of love we can love the community but inside the church we should have a little more love and that's why some years ago in fact we decided as elders that our we the benevolent fund we would try to primarily use for people inside the congregation it's not that we don't help people outside and we do but we wanted to prioritize for people inside the church, people part of the family of God. And so John is writing here about loving or hating brothers or sisters, and he's speaking about relationships in the body of Christ. Now, this can be applied in the local church as a smaller body of believers, as well as the church universal or some people don't like the word small c Catholic, so I'll say the church universal. But that's the body of Christ that includes believers in every place. And so this can apply to, to our relationships in here and also with all of the believers. 
Now, as we come near to the Passover weekend, that's next weekend, we also call Palm Sunday, we will again be reminded of one of the last recorded interactions of Jesus with his disciples, which is the Last Supper, where in John's Gospel, he records this, and the red letters in some of your Bibles mean that who's speaking? Jesus, right? So John 13, 34, and 35 is red letters of Jesus speaking to his disciples. He says this, A new commandment I give you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. So was this a brand new command when Jesus gave it? No, not really. He could have said, Similar to John. I'm not giving you a new commandment, but it is new. It's new in, the, in this context or emphasis. But actually, back in Leviticus 19.18, not the year 1918, but even further back, uh, in the laws that God gave his people, it says, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. And... Lord, in my Bible, is the all-caps Lord, which indicates that he's saying this is a serious charge. So he says, love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. So John knows this. Peter and Paul know this, who also were writers that have letters in the New Testament, that the commands from the very beginning had this concept of love towards neighbor. Yet all of them wrote specifically about this idea that Christians, those who are in the body of Christ, ought to have a special love for one another. And this is in addition to the regular love for neighbor we all ought to have anyway. It's a special, deep, and intimate love for those inside the body of Christ. Peter wrote, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Paul wrote in Colossians that love binds everything together in perfect harmony. And Paul also reminded Timothy of the need to love. And, the, and he also reminded the church in Thessalonica. And in Romans, he reiterated what Jesus said about the greatest commandment. Now to see what Jesus said, first we'll go back to this passage that some of you know pretty well. From Matthew 22 and verses 36 to, to 40 when this person asks Jesus, Teacher, what is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend on all the law and the prophets. Well, what did Jesus mean by that? The Ten Commandments all can be summed up in those two ways. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. Because the first four commandments, and I've said that probably too many times, you should remember, the first four commandments have to do with our relationship to God. And the last six commandments have, our, have to do with relationships with other people. So now Paul then said, he took what Jesus said and wrote a similar thing in Romans chapter 13. And verses 8 to 10. He said, Owe no one anything except to love each other, for the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. 
For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and any other commandment are summed up in this word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfilling of the law. So it's an old commandment, and it's a new commandment. And if we're in the light, we love. So we can see why John said it was an old commandment, but also a new one. He says, it's a new commandment I'm writing to you, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away, and the true light is already shining. The darkness is passing away, and the true light is already shining. So when we see light versus darkness in Scripture, uh, it's used as a metaphor for spiritual things. Sometimes it may be dark versus light is talking about sin versus righteousness. Sometimes it's lies versus truth. And so when John writes here that one who hates his brother is still in darkness, what does he mean by that? And someone might say, well, he means that person's not really saved. I don't think that's what he's saying there. Because in this context, remember, he's addressing people and saying, brothers. And what did we say about brothers is that almost every time in the New Testament that that word is used, it's referring to people in the church. And John certainly would not have thought of people that were not truly saved. He would not have called them brothers. But if someone were saved and still had not learned love, they are still in some darkness, right? And they can stumble and cause stumbling. And as evidence then of an immature Christian, there is a lack of love, empathy, or concern for the emotional, spiritual, or sometimes physical well-being of others. And so as I was studying this passage and trying to understand it myself as I prepared to preach it to you, I began to understand this is not only about love, but this passage is also about sanctification. And we have the fourfold gospel, Jesus our Savior, Jesus our Sanctifier, Jesus our Healer, and Jesus our Coming King. And sanctifier means we are being sanctified, that means being set apart, and we say that this is both a crisis and a progressive experience wrought by the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer. That's, that's how we see it. When one is saved, what do we mean by crisis? When it just, crisis doesn't mean something bad always. It means something sudden. So when one is saved, there's a sudden crisis-like moment where they have felt a godly sorrow for their sins and the Holy Spirit prompted love in them for the good things of God. Doing this through His Word through the preaching or sharing of his word by someone. But the moment of salvation, even though it's that crisis experience and there is a sudden change, it doesn't mean we're completely perfected in Christ yet. Now we're justified completely, yes. We are given the righteousness of Christ, yes. Yet we are not perfected yet. And so as we live, we are being sanctified. And Christians progress in this in different ways and at different intervals. Some people go through trials of fire that bring them farther in that sanctification process in a very short period of time 
than others might go through in a whole lifetime. We don't always understand why that is the case. It's, it's a mystery. But the more we live this life in trials, in study of Scripture, in living the life of the congregation, of iron sharpening iron, we come more and more into the light of truth, and that is the light of actual righteousness. The darkness is passing away, and the true light is already shining. And as I am coming to understand both what John wrote here and more and more in my own experience in the church, one sign of a Christian advancing in their sanctification process, or if you, want, if you don't like the word sanctification, let's put it another way, Christian maturity. That might help you better. But one sign of that is an increasing love for the people of the church. Now, I was careful to say the people of the church, not the church, because when I say the church, that can mean different things to different people. Some people are too attached to the church building or the church organization, the denomination, or something like that, and have little love for the individual people right there in their own congregation. Would it be that we could reverse that and have concern for individuals? So I began to see this passage as a lesson on sanctification or Christian maturity as well as a lesson on love. If you hate your brother, that is, another family member in the body of Christ, then you're still in darkness. It isn't necessarily that you aren't saved, but you haven't come very far in your maturity. But there's always hope. You hear sometimes of Christians saying, I'm recommitting myself to Christ. And while we ought to be doing that daily, it is a beautiful thing to see one who perhaps after years of neglecting the most important things proclaims, I hereby re recommit my life to Christ. If we want the heart of Christ, we must remember his first love and have his first love be our first love. And what is his first love? It's the church. If we are harboring some ill will towards a fellow believer and have not learned to love despite our differences and flaws and quirks, then we aren't completely in the light. We may be positionally saved. That means we're in a position of salvation. We're still justified, but not really in fellowship with God. And that's not possible to do that for very long. It may indicate there isn't salvation, but... If we do that, we're missing out on some of the good things he has out for us now. Now, is it easy to love in the church? Not always. How many of you at holidays get that anxious feeling about what one of your family members might say or do at the family meal? If that's true of your relatives, it's certainly true in the family of God as well. The church is made up of many flawed people. In fact, one requirement to be in the church is an admission that you are a great sinner in need of a great Savior. And so you'll find all sorts of people with all sorts of personal issues and baggage and so on in the church. So, no, it's not always easy to love. What about hate? How many will admit that they hate someone in the church? Most people would never admit they hate someone in the church. Well, I don't really hate them. I just want them to fail. Or, I don't really hate her, but I really don't like the way she is. I'm praying that God will change her into someone I can love. 
I wonder if that's what people are doing sometimes when they say they're praying for others. No, it isn't always easy to love. We can irritate each other. We can say the wrong things at inappropriate times. We could take offense every day if we try hard enough. However, if that's the case, we have not come very far in maturity. We haven't come very far on our road to sanctification. We're still in some darkness spiritually. Our fellowship with God then is broken. We don't have to do that though. Instead, we can be one who loves his brother and abides in the light. This one does not cause stumbling. One who is in the dark causes others to stumble because he himself stumbles first. You know, as we get older, our eyes need a little more light to see. Some of you may say amen to that. But even seven years ago, I could usually walk through the fellowship hall and just the light from the exit signs would be enough for me to not hit any tables or chairs. <laughs> not anymore. Now, if I, I'm almost guaranteed if I try that, I'm going to hit my knees on something. So now, even if I just have to cross the room for a moment, I turn the lights on. Why? So I don't stumble and fall. Those in dar the darkness of hate towards other believers will stumble. And if they stumble, they will cause others to stumble. If you were walking single file down a dark hall hallway and you fell down, what happens to everyone behind you? They trip over you as they go, and they stumble as well. So let's make sure we are walking in the light. Remember, this is an old commandment to love, a new commandment to love. And if we're in the light, we love. And if we want to be in the full light of Christ, then we will learn to love. In 1 Corinthians 13, Paul writes about love. First of all, he points out that actions do not necessarily mean anything if there's no love. In the Old Testament sacrificial system, if the sacrifice was bought, brought, but the one bringing it had a bad attitude and did not have true repentance and reverence, do you think it meant anything to God? The attitude has to match the action. I often mention the potential dangers of altar calls because sometimes someone thinks if they merely recite a prayer, well, that will mean eternal salvation. And they may be in for an unpleasant surprise. Instead, salvation has to do with a proper attitude, and that attitude is a godly sorrow over one's sin, a realization of their need for a Savior, and a desire to live in His light. If, if you... If your testimony doesn't include a time where you had godly sorrow over your sins, you may want to reflect on that. So Paul says you can do some pretty impressive things. But if they're not in love, they're worthless. Or rather, Paul says, if I do them and not in love, I am nothing and I gain nothing. Here's what he says in 1 Corinthians 13. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels and have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned but have not love, I gain nothing. So Paul says doing all those things, as great as they might appear to be, even to other people, if you're doing them without love, they are worthless. 
But then he tells us what real love looks like. And here's what he says. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. So I remember a brother in Christ once and told this story that he was laid up for a while and he couldn't, I think it was a back issue, and he couldn't really do much. And one day as he was in his bed, he heard a lawnmower in his yard. And he looked out and his brother in Christ was mowing the yard. He hadn't been asked. He just noticed the lawn needed mowing. And the man mowing the lawn was known in the whole church for his loving attitude towards others. And so it was a genuinely kind and gracious act of love. Now, if he had mowed the lawn, but he had never had patience for the man who he was helping, it would not have been an act of love. If he mowed it out of frustration because the lawn looked ugly and, and it was messing up the neighborhood's ambiance, then that would not be loving. If he did it so he could boast about his act of service, it wouldn't be loving, but he didn't tell anybody. The only reason anyone knew was because the guy who had his lawn mowed told others. Without love, it would have meant nothing. It may have been something felt as an obligation. It may have been done for recognition. It may have been done so that someone would owe a favor back. But in that case, it was none of those because the man who did it was known for his love. Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in the darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. So there's an old commandment to love, a new commandment to love. If we're in the light, we love. And if we want to be in the full light of Christ, we will learn to love. So I have some three points of application here for us to take and chew on. The first is to ask God to reveal to you and to me wherever we have a lack of love in our hearts. Be careful that you don't assume that your actions or works of service mean that you have love. If you do them for any other motive than love, they're nothing. Ask God to help you live in the light of love. Ask him to cleanse you of any unrighteousness, particularly in how you are loving his first love, the church. And then evaluate your progress in the faith. So I mentioned in our announcements earlier this, that Vince Miller is the speaker at our men's event. We, when we did his courses here, he always did it on each one. He had a little, whatever the topic was, a line from 1 to 10. And you had to go and rate yourself on several points and say, where do I think I'm at? Something that you can go back and look at later so that you can... Test yourself to see if you're in the faith and see how you're doing. 
So evaluate your progress in the faith. And whether you want to use the word sanctification or Christian maturity, if you are in Christ, then your desire should be to grow in the faith and to grow in maturity. And he has given us a helper to do this. See Mark Roberts, if you need more on that. He taught a Sunday school class on it <laughs> this morning. So, and if you want to look to the passages there, John chapter 14 and 15 and 16, you can um, find more about the helper, the Holy Spirit. So those are the three things we should do. We want to ask God to reveal if we have a lack of love in our heart. We want to ask God to help us live in the love, the light of love. And we want to evaluate our progress in the faith. And I'm going to finish with the line I started with. I wish it was mine, but uh, it was, Love makes us stepping stones, but hate makes us stumbling blocks. Whether we build others up to help them in their faith to go higher, or whether we cause them to fall down, has a lot to do with our own spiritual maturity. And our own spiritual maturity is greatly reflected in the love that we have for others in the church. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word this morning, your challenge and encouragement to us. Lord, we see uh, both a negative challenge and a positive challenge this morning. The, the negative challenge is if we have hate. Lord, may we listen to your Holy Spirit this morning as we evaluate our own hearts and then the positive encouragement lord that you give that we can walk in love and that we can walk in the light and we can grow in grace and we can grow in the faith as we pursue this road of sanctification or christian maturity lord may we desire that may we desire to grow closer to christ and more like him and may you help us do that, Lord, because you provided us the helper. May we depend on him. In Jesus' name, amen.